Welcome to the Influent Podcast, developing leadership, building success, and influencing society. For more resources, visit us online at influent.life. Hey, welcome back to our seven-part series of Why Christians Lose. We are on our second part tonight on the missions pitfall and why we we fall in the missions field and just different mindsets and perspectives that have kept us maybe trapped in a ministry or in missions. And today we're going to discuss how and what you can do to kind of get out of that mindset and what we've learned and through our experiences. So start with your story. Okay. So I was in a missions organization for three years and through those three years, I which we loved love. it. Oh yeah. my gosh, it was an amazing experience, transformed my life. But I always knew that I was called to do business. And that was just kind of the way I was raised and it was in- engraved in who I was. And when it came time out of the, the last of my three years being there um, and transitioning out, it was almost like because of just the DNA of ministry and missions, it made me feel guilty for wanting to leave and wanting to make money and my mindset was just completely jacked up I felt like and it was there's so many things that was just wavering within me like okay is this right is this wrong so that's a bit of my experience but now I'm at a place where I completely feel that God wants us to make money he wants us to be in the marketplace exactly and and it's it's about money but it's it's about really fulfilling our destiny and our calling in the in the system mm-hmm. we're called to be engaged in the system and so this is not always it's not like people are saying oh it's evil to go in the marketplace or that or that yeah it's a second class calling but it is actually what's being communicated right yeah. and and nobody's really saying that but it's almost in the air it's like why did you feel like can you put your your finger on a specific thing someone said or a message and it's mm-hmm. hard to do that because it's in almost everything it's kind of like in the air we breathe yeah. that ministry is the most important and that marketplace is really a second class calling mm-hmm. right you know and there are a couple of things that have fed this this view this mindset and so part of what we want to do at influent here is just tear down those old mental castles yeah. the old strongholds um, you know, and I think about a quote from John Piper, not to disparage this man or his ministry. He's an awesome guy, um, got an awesome ministry. But out of one book that he published back in 2011 uh, comes this quote, and it says, there are only three kinds of people, goers, senders, and the disobedient. And so he wow. goes on to say... I mean, th- that is so extreme. Yeah. That is so extreme. Yeah. It is. It is. And he goes on to say... It's not our intention to create second-class Christians, and we don't want to make anyone who's not on the mission field feel like they're. But that's what happens. Rate. But that's exactly what. That's happens. what happens. Right. When you say something like that. Right. Right. So it, 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 it completely neglects the idea that everyone is a goer. There's not goers, senders, and disobedient. Everybody is a goer because everybody has a mission field. Everyone has a job. Yeah. Or most everyone. And it yeah. looks different for everybody. It's not you know your mission field might be literally going to another nation, but your missions field is your career in, your, in the marketplace as That's well. That's right. And so where does this come from? I mean, I, I think a lot of, there's a lot of emphasis on preaching mm-hmm. and a lot of emphasis on full-time ministry coming from missions movements, from pulpits, from people that 
you know, have a microphone. Right. And, and a lot of it comes from, you know, Bible verses, uh, you know, Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached into all the world as a witness to the nations, and then the end will come. And so it's this idea that there's a lot of preaching that has to happen, that there's, we're going to crest the hill and we're going to, you know, proclaim the four spiritual laws to that last person. And then suddenly the right. sky is going to split. Jesus is going to come down and you have ushered in the, the return. You've hastened the day of the Lord and the mm-hmm. return of Jesus. And, and, but it's, but it's really a wrong understanding. It's really a very incomplete and narrow understanding of this verse. Uh, it really says you know, this whole, this word preached, it means proclaimed. It means the gospel will be proclaimed, that it's like a decree made by a king. And, and, uh, and, and this is really, he's talking about the gospel of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So, which we, we'll, we're going to talk about here in a minute. What is the gospel of the kingdom? But, but what happens is when people say this, it, it's a, there's a byproduct that creates two classes of Christians. It's exactly what happens. The full-time ministry class and the not full-time ministry class. And, um, and so it's really, it's really, so what happens is a lot of Christians in order to follow the highest call, go into the ministry, right? right? Because, and as this was my testimony too, I believe that if I was really going to serve the Lord, I had to be a pastor or a missionary, right? Mm -hmm. And so how many people do that? Right. Well, then what happens is it just starts to not fit. It starts to be difficult. It starts to be a challenge. And. A lot of people try to raise support or try to, and there's just not enough money. And then, then what happens if you, you keep trying at it 10 years later, 15 years later, you literally, you've not developed job skills. You've not developed any market experience. You have no resume. You've got kids, you've got medical bills, and there's simply no future for you. A lot of people, they try to get a job in a church or something like that. There's just no jobs. There's not enough. Yeah. And then you feel, oftentimes those people feel stuck. They feel and stuck. they don't, yeah. and they feel like they're not adequate if yeah. they're called out to. And be in and, a and then I'll, I've seen a lot of people get bitter, yeah, and they get kind of a you know cynical, hmm. and they leave. And gosh, this is absolutely heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. As a father, I'm like, this is not okay. There's also it really it really shows a complete lack of understanding of the marketplace. I mean, ignorance right. of the marketplace. And I'm just gonna say that it's ignorance. Right. That people are simply not aware of what's going on, and you should be. If you're a preacher, you should be aware of what's going on. You know, I think about my friend Chuck Ripka, who you know, 106 people saved as a banker in Amazing. in Elk River, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. They, the Wall Street Journal wrote an article on this guy, called him God's banker. 106 salvations as a banker. So is that guy? What is he? doing good things is he a goer a sender or a disobedient i mean Man. you know i just even that whole that whole that breakdown it just doesn't even make sense to me i don't know if i'm right. a goer or a sender right. you know i know i'm not disobedient mm-hmm. you know but it doesn't fit right. Right. it doesn't fit i'm i'm just a beer i'm just a mm-hmm. i'm i'm gonna burn for jesus whatever i do and do my best sure. to bring his kingdom and everything i touch and go and do and see you know so but it creates this it creates this, this there's this this Real problem in not understanding. I think about a professor. So what, you're a professor for 30 years impacting thousands of students. Is that not a valid calling? Or I think about a Hollywood producer. You're going to go make movies, mm-hmm. you know, that exalt the name of Jesus or, or that at least create a value system that's, that's compatible and create warmth yeah. for the name of God or, right. or affection for family. You know, uh, is that evil? Is that really disobedient guy? Or I think about my friend who's the hospice nurse who who simply goes and helps people die. Hmm. 
What? You know, wow. We need people like that, right? I mean, we need, I mean, we need to be in every dark place on the planet because that's where the people are, right? Yeah. I think about John Maxwell, uh, who is probably the greatest reformer in our age, you know, where he's written the books. He's the man who's an author who's written the books about, you know, about the, the, uh, the, wisdom you know bible principles to math for management and literally it's been adopted as the best practices now in every business that i've ever been a, been a, uh, familiar with he's made the bible best practices right is he a goer or a sender right. or is he disobedient you know and i think people would probably say he's disobedient but it's it's ridiculous they just don't understand really what is happening in the marketplace you know and it's it's really it's really honestly i just we just need to we need to just get rid of this this thought process and this paradigm. It is it is absolutely toxic to the body of Christ. Right. Well, I think that paradigm stems from okay. Say I'm an accountant at work. How can I connect what I do at work to my faith, to my Christian faith? And it really comes down to adjusting my motivation and my paradigm just inside myself, and really taking in Colossians three twenty three and that it says whatever work you do, do it as working for the Lord. So if my motivation is to work for the Lord. Then I found my reason. I found my motivation. I, I found the connection. But unless I have that paradigm, it's very hard to connect my work with my faith, right? Mm. right. So, is as somebody who is working for the Lord, are they going? Right. I mean, I, again, I think, I, I think we're all going. But that's definitely become a rallying cry for these missions organizations. And I know personally because I've been in one. Yeah. yeah. They they say we're gonna preach we're gonna preach the gospel, and and once we've done that then Jesus is going to come back and we want Jesus to come back. So we need to go preach the gospel as fast as we can to as many people as we can. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know, he's coming back when he's coming back and we, we all need to do our parts, but it's about the gospel of the kingdom being, being proclaimed throughout exactly. the world. And, and it fails to recognize that only 3% of Christians are called to full-time vocational ministry. Three, 3%. What about the rest? Right. According to that definition, they're only valuable if they write a big check. So what about the right. poor guys who are working, they're working, the single mom who's just trying to make it yeah. mm -hmm. and can't write a big check to somebody? Right. You know, I, I'm sorry. It's just this is not Jesus's teaching. It's not his teaching. You know, where where did Jesus actually command the masses to stop what they were doing and go to the missions field? I don't think he ever did. He did not. And he, he, the Great Commission was given to the eleven, and and I'm not, I'm not speaking against the Great Commission. We're all let's, I'm, I'm adopting it. I'm yes. in, yes. you know. But when, when he didn't tell people to stop what they're doing and go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. In fact, the exact opposite in First Corinthians nine twenty. Where is it here? It says, uh, it's in the Bible. Where did my, where did my thing go? Well, why do you look for that too? You know, we don't always, I mean, everyone is a preacher of the gospel. Yeah. Not, not everyone is to be a, you know, an evangelist, but everyone can proclaim the gospel by bringing his ways yeah. to where their sphere of influence. Right. Mm -hmm. So here, here it says, 1 Corinthians seven twenty. let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. And this is literally saying to slaves, hey, don't worry about it. If you can, if you can get free, you can get a better job or be, not become a slave, go for it. But right. don't worry about it. If you are, serve God there. It's literally what it's saying. Yeah. That's radical. That's radical. And so Jesus, Jesus called us, the people, to be the light of the world, a city set on a hill, and the salt of the earth. Now, light means a burning and shining lamp representing the, the character and nature of Jesus Christ. And salt means being a reformer. It means changing something and being a preservative. We are the salt and light of the world, of the world, yeah. not of heaven. 
not of church, of the system. So we are to be stuck in the middle of the system. We're to be bringing Jesus's light into the system, and we're to be changing the system, salting it, transforming it as a preservative like salt was. Right. And, and so there's really not an understanding that, that, that this is the people are called, the 97% are called primarily to be light right. and, and reformers. Now, why do I say that? What well, it says here, it says, uh, you're the light of the world, the, the, you're the salt of the earth, so let your light shine before men that they see your good works. It's not a gospel that is first preached, it's first demonstrated. Let them see your good works. Then they'll glorify your Father in heaven. That's what it says. Right. So we're to go and be hospice nurses. We're to go and write books on management. We're to go and affect Hollywood and be a positive influence where people, even the unbelievers, say, man, that guy's going for it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's interesting. You know, you talk to the normal Joe on the street, unsaved Joe on the street. They don't really like the church a lot. They have a lot of disparaging things to say. But you ask them what they think about Mother Teresa, and all of them are like, She's awesome. Her good works. Yeah. That's my point. Yeah. Is that good works actually people glorify God when they talk about Mother Teresa. Mm -hmm. right. right? And and she's an awesome lady, you know, mm -hmm. and and uh, did awesome things. And yeah. that is what we are to be. So our main mission is to be salt and light in the earth everywhere we are. What better way to do that than work next to somebody for forty plus hours a week? I mean, to me that is an amazing way to execute and walk Absolutely. out our commandment to love our God with all of our heart and soul. Right. And right there. And yeah. It's so much, I mean, you can do so much more discipleship, you know, I in know. a work environment yeah. as a business owner or, and so much more witnessing, you know, and, uh, mm -hmm. you, you know, uh, it's just funny. I was even remembering a, a recent message, you know, by a super guy and he said, you know, we, we live in a Christian bubble so much of the time. You know, most of us, he said, we need to figure out a way to interact with unbelievers. He said, you know, maybe you should think about joining a gym. And I'm just like, groan. You know, and I went up to him afterwards and said, you know, some people actually work. You know, and some people have jobs. Like, That's brilliant. You know, good idea. You know, like, <laughs> it's like, cool. yeah, we, you know, we're around unbelievers all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. Wherever and, you go. You know, but, but the church has not taught us mm -hmm. how to be light yeah. and how to be salt and it's 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 a you know and uh, but i am the church and we are teaching it you know right. so so you know i can't just right. disparage anybody here yeah. but but this is there's just such an understanding that is just missing it's right. missing and it's not okay well and part of it is just not emphasizing hey if you have a job you are valuable what you do is valuable that is your mission field that yeah. is your spirit it's a natural point of contact and so I love what you say in Marketplace Christianity in this book. I, I love this quote. It says, as we work as for the Lord with hearts motivated by love, work becomes an act of worship. Yes. Worship can be more than a song. It can be anything we do to love him back. It is doing a job joyfully, giving, mm -hmm. being a good mother, or taking care of your elderly Amen. parents. God is able to receive love in any form. That's it. And he goes on to say, I, I love this one too, God has no secular, unspiritual roles in his kingdom. Yeah. If you're out there working in a job, it's not an unsecular, yeah, right. unspiritual role, period. No. That, that's right. And that's out of Colossians 3. Yes. It says, whatever yeah. you do, work with all of your heart as working for the Lord. Right. And even Ecclesiastes 9.10, where it says, whatever work, yeah. anything you do. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So but here, so here's the other thing. So, it, so it, it, it traps missionaries where they can't quite step out because 
who wants to go on plan B for their life, right? Who wants to say, oh, I'm taking the lower call. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do it, even if you're not called there. It, it, you know, it, it also robs the planet of, of its kingdom reformers. How many people, how many fired up, passionate, creative, young people have been taken from the role that they were designed for? Think about the professors that have not become right. professors. Well, that means thousands and thousands of students were not changed. Or that, what about the guy who's supposed to be the Hollywood producer or the, you know, the, 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 the script writer? Mm-hmm. Those scripts never got wrote, right? And and what what about the 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 Nobel laureates? You know they're awarding the Nobel prizes right now. That never happened. The scientists, the philosophers, the, the business people that never got started. I mean, and so what's happened is we've taken kind of the cream of the crop and we've taken them out of the system where they were called to flourish and called to be reformers yeah. and called to be agents of transformation and light of the gospel. Taking them out, and then then we wonder why the world is getting more secular. Hello, right. hello. Let's take let's take all the Christians out, especially if it's dark, right? It's really hard. But don't don't we want to be where it's dark? Shouldn't we be right? Well, not to mention, point out the tremendous irony that if everyone were to go into full time ministry, what would happen? Yeah, and what how that would have changed history? Yeah, I mean, I, I I had a I had a series of very impactful dreams where the Lord was showing me that the church was responsible for the secularization of society. And this was, I mean, I just can't tell you how much this wounds my heart. And it was, it was because they had, they had stopped, they had exited academia and they'd, mm. they'd exited the university systems as professors. And how many Christian professors are there? Thank God, if you're a university professor, man, you know, thank you for your service. Okay. Right. You know, that is awesome, right. awesome, awesome. We need, we need, you know, 250,000 young people to decide to become university professors. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will see a reversal of the secularization of society because universities are the main shapers of minds, yeah. right? And so this is this is a big deal. And so what's happened? We've robbed we've robbed the ninety seven percent of of their impact. We've robbed the kingdom of its reformers, right? And 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 we've 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 robbed the ninety seven percent of their purpose. So you think about this, you know. And I've traveled the world speaking, and I can tell you. I mean, I ask people all the time do you feel like you're obeying God in the marketplace? And everybody says, yes. Hmm. I said, what do you feel like you have a vision for what you're doing? Hmm. No one wow. raises their hand. Very few, very few. So you think about this. If you have no vision for what you're doing, you're a what? You're visionless. Right. Right. And if you're visionless, what happens? You're perishing. Yeah. So, then, so then tell us. So this is, this is a big deal. I mean, so what happened? So these 97% have no vision. They have no, they've been robbed of purpose and robbed of meaning. And so they're just existing. So what's the answer for that? Then, Bob? Let's just say I'm in the marketplace. I have no vision. How would I go about getting a vision for what I do? Read Marketplace Christianity. <laughs> you know, and I, it's my book. Yeah. But, and it's, you know, I joke about it. But honestly, that book has, it's been a bestseller for 10 years. It has transformed thousands and thousands and thousands of lives and uh, and there's other good books as well uh, but start to get a vision for it tune into the influent podcast you know and come to some of our events just get just get over this get get through mm-hmm. this and process some of this stuff but if you read that book you know it'll start to shift your thinking you know so so here here's the other thing that happens so a lot of these guys I, I think about Luke 19 hmm. Jesus giving 10 talents you know gold to one five to another and one to another 
and of course the, the two first two guys come back having produced something they you know they took what God gave them and they multiplied it which by the way is God's definition of stewardship stewardship is not better saving it's taking whatever you've been given and multiplying good stewardship from heaven is about multiplying what you've been given right, well the third guy of course buried it now why did he bury it maybe he had he was in the missions trap you know what I mean? Now, you can, you know, if you're called the full-time ministry and you're a missionary, go for it. Mm -hmm. Okay, we are we are 100% for you and behind you. Absolutely. But if you're not, get out and do what you're called to do. And, uh, and go and, you know, don't be the third guy. Don't bury your talent. I think so many people have buried their talent, you know. And I just, I just worry that people are, are getting stuck and they're not getting they're not doing what they're called to do to bring God his 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 thing be you know multiply whatever what God has given them right well good stewardship is realizing hey everything is God's nothing is mine no matter how much money I have I'm always poor because I'm just a manager here on earth but part of being a good manager is multiplying everything that God gives yeah. me and giving him more being mm -hmm. fruitful and multiplying yeah so so this, this, uh, this, the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, you know, it's so interesting when you talk to um, most preachers even cannot tell you what the kingdom of God is. Hmm. They can't tell you. They'll start to give you examples. What is the kingdom? Okay. And this is where I've actually spent quite a bit of time studying this and thinking about this and wrote this book called Kingdom Horizon. And in that I define what the kingdom is, what the kingdom of God is. And it's, of course, it's any ways, it's any place, any, any time his power uh, supersedes the power of Satan, overcomes the power, or any time the ways of God overcome the ways of the enemy. So, so when he cast out a demon, he said the kingdom of God is in your midst. That's the power of God. Right. But also when Zacchaeus, who was a greedy man, said, um, today I'm giving half my wealth to the poor, Jesus said, today the kingdom, or today salvation has come to this household. Right. And... So when a greedy man becomes a generous man, that's the kingdom of God too. It's the ways of God trumping the ways of Satan, right? That's the kingdom. So when, when, when greed becomes nothing, when justice becomes a theme, when, when, you know, uh, uh, when, when love replaces hate, when selflessness replaces selfishness, these things, you know, these things are the kingdom. Where does that come? Does that come from the devil? You know, when slavery is abolished in the 1700s today every single nation on the earth has abolished slavery now we still have you know still a problem but it's a tiny problem relative to what it was mm -hmm. right. that's the kingdom of god did satan do that right you know so so the, this kingdom so that when he says the gospel of the kingdom he there is necessarily a transformational element to the kingdom exactly because the kingdom transforms everything it touches Right, it completely transformed my life. I, when I gave my life to Him, I'm a different person, mm -hmm. and it's still happening. Right, right. It, it, you know. So he, Jesus described the kingdom of God as a lump of leaven, a lump of yeast stuck mm -hmm. in a in a peck of dough. Right, a, a, a lump of dough that until the whole lump is leavened. Right. So right. Jesus stuck Himself in you and me. Right, like a lump of leaven until we're all leavened, and I'm just I'm being leavened, and I'm a different person. You know than I was you know 30 years ago and that's why that's definitely a pitfall of the missions movement is it's not just a preaching movement we don't just go out and share the gospel with people you're there until you see his ways come into that place. that's right that's but right when we see the kingdom of God come which is his ways 
his kindness, his gentleness, his goodness. Right. When we see that penetrate a society and a culture, then the kingdom has come. And this this is, and you're hit, kind of hitting on the edges of this, you know, a little bit of the where the missions movement, you know, needs to grow is right. the discipleship element, exactly. right? It's not about just having a revival right. meeting and making decisions. It says, go make right. disciples of all nations teaching them to obey all my commandments. Exactly. We are not done until his commandments are it's, being followed. Exactly. And 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 this is going to happen not just through preaching meetings. This is going to happen through demonstration and and through these kind of things. So 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 he's he stuck the leaven he stuck the leaven of the kingdom in the Roman dough, the Roman empire. Blew up the Roman empire after a few hundred years. Completely blew it up. He's, he's sticking us in the leaven of our workplaces and our spheres to go leaven the whole lump. Right. And so this is, this is the message of the kingdom. He preached a transformational gospel. And that thing is not done. And it is our mission. And it's a major mission. It's an important mission to be done. And it's representing of Jesus Christ. And it's not a second mission. It's a primary mission right. because it is the gospel of the kingdom. Right. right. It becomes a numbers game too, right? Yeah, I mean, right. 97%. How much more impact can 97% of the body have if they're unified right. and they're marching towards the exact same goal than 3%? Yeah. That's just numbers. Not that the 3% is less than. They're awesome. I That's love right. people that are called to ministry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, people I've seen that are in the workplace or, the, you know, nurses, sales reps that love the Lord and are walking out the commandments that God's given it's us. Awesome. I hear amazing testimonies oh, of how they're being a light in the place of darkness. And and we're going to be highlighting all these guys on our podcast. We're yes. going to do some interviews because it is just the normal people who not even sure what they're doing for Jesus are doing amazing things. You know, they just it's never they've never right. connected the dots mm -hmm. right. that this is the kingdom what what they're doing. So just talking about just, you know, bringing it back to the beginning what about what about the harvest are we what about the preaching that's going to usher in the coming of Jesus well here's here's a verse out of uh, out of uh, uh, Mark 4 and he said the kingdom of God is as a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by day sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow he himself does not know how wow I mean there is an element where there's there's kind of the it's on autopilot the kingdom is growing on autopilot. It is. This is what Jesus said, and and I can actually I actually point that out in my book how the kingdom is growing on autopilot. But then he then he says um, the earth yields its crops by itself first the blade, then the head, then the full grain in the head, and when the grain is ripe, immediately he puts in the sickle because then the harvest has come. So he's not coming. The harvest, of course, speaks of the end of the age. And he's not coming until the grain is fully ripe and the kingdom as fully what he has intended it to be manifest as. Mm -hmm. He's not coming until then. He's not coming when the first shoots of, you know, we preach that message and the first little shoots pop up. What farmer is going to do that? Plant a harvest, right? right. <laughs> We've got little shoots. Let's go bring in the tractors, you know. Right. God is a farmer. John 15, 1. Gergos means farmer. He's the... Translated vine dresser, but it means farmer. He is the quintessential farmer. He's the best one that's ever been. And he is not going to harvest anything. He, and he's not going to be rushed into his harvest, by the right. way. Right. He's, he's not going to be rushed until it is complete. Right. And that's exactly what this is talking about. Have you ever tried to picture Jesus in a hurry? Jesus was never in a hurry to do anything. 
and he's not in a hurry to end this world and, and blow up that he's artist. not especially before it's matured and ready I know it's been it's two two thousand years and most people are have expected him long before this right you know just and because he loves us so much he doesn't want to leave anybody out yeah and he wants them to be fully mature mm -hmm. that's right yeah Amber final thoughts I just think that wherever you are, if you are in the marketplace and you're working a nine to five full-time job, that you have such an amazing opportunity to speak yes. hope and to be light in the midst of the darkness. So don't let the heaviness, don't let the negative people around you stomp you down because you have the authority to actually rise above those things. God's given you Oof. full authority to Come be on. the light in the marketplace and where you are. And that is our heart. We want you to thrive and we want you to have vision in the midst of chaos and in the midst of being in a place that's hard. We know it's hard, but we want to see you guys rise above that. And we want to see you guys be the light in the midst of darkness because that is why you're there. You're there to be the light and you're there to to speak truth to those around you. So we just want you to be encouraged. Awesome. Chris, next week? Next week. So next week is part three of the series, which is permission to win. Permission to win. I'm excited what's, about What's that the one. trap there? <laughs> the trap there? The trap is we feel like we can't win and be excellent. And it's not just our, it's not just. That it's not humble. That it's not. Right, it's not humble. Godly. But we don't see it as it is our responsibility. It is our responsibility to win, to be excellent, and to do things well because God did. That's awesome. All right. We'll see you next week. See ya. Bye, guys.